0: You mm-hmm.
1: Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week, I'm here to share
2: with you my conversation with La Fonda. This record was, I literally just felt like a funnel to something that just, it just chose me. It had to go through me. I just uh, let it happen. And I really felt that. And the only credit I can take is that I said yes. For it to come through me, that's it. La Fonda grew up in the suburbs of Paris.
1: Parts of her practice include production, directing, and songwriting. La Fonda's new release, The Fifth Season, is out now. Elemental, emotional, and uncannily fitting for the moment in time we're living through right now, this record explores science fiction, friendship, collaboration and cinematic storytelling. I hope you'll enjoy hearing these incredibly insightful words from La Fonda as a companion to your listening experience of the LP. We spoke about world building, communicating profound joy through music and songwriting in French for the first time. Lafonda, thank you for joining me. um we're gonna spend some time getting to know you this afternoon, but if you don't mind, I would love it if you would take us all the way back and share with us your earliest memory connected to sound or music
2: mm. ah, thanks for having me um, actually i've i've um I don't know if you're familiar with this uh Kind of like therapy that you know the filmmaker Khodorovsky put. um, He kind of, kind of created this therapy that, where you basically go back to uh, the womb. So I would say, and I've, I've, um, I would say, I would say the first memory is the first music I heard when I was in before I was born. Which was um Stevie Wonder, I just have that's probably the earliest memory Wow,
1: that's incredible
2: yeah, it's like a it's pretty incredible method where you go back to like there and then through like the birth and stuff, so you get to access some um really early memories, but um, yeah, Stevie Wonder is the first sound that I remember.
0: Mm.
1: How recently did you try that therapy? Um, maybe like
2: five, six years ago. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then then there's kind of a blank and then I was quite obsessed with like dance music when I was a kid, um, like uh, Eurodance. Um, mm. And I just rem- I remember, I remember loving uh, things that sounded really heavy and dirty. And um, I loved a good beat.
1: <laughs> mm. How did you get your hands on that Euro dance music?
2: Um, I just, I, it was like a birthday gift when I was like, I don't remember, but um, it was a gift. It was a uh, tape. Um, And it was like one of those, uh, you know, uh, best of (laughs) whatever year it was. Um, And yeah, uh, it was really fast. I remember it being really fast. I remember that there was singing at the same time that there was dancing. Um, And I remember that the sound were really... I don't know, kind of dirty. (laughs) Mm. Um, As in like not that clean or something and uh, heavy. And there's a lot of bass and yeah, I was quite obsessed with, I think that that was the, this tape was kind of like the first emotions that I had. And I was just, um, and it was very related. It was related to dance more than it was related to I don't know, like, an emotional... I mean, dance is emotional, but I just mean, like, it wasn't, like, necessarily... Um, yeah, it was through dance.
1: And outside of listening to that compilation, what did you like to spend your time doing as a child?
2: Mm. Um, I loved spending time... Well, I, 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 I wanted to be a butcher when I was a child. Um, okay. So I... Was really obsessed with cutting stuff and knives, um, and I also was quite obsessed with putting on shows. I have to say, I I um I was obsessed with like role playing and and being like a, the metteur en scène of <laughs> like a theater play that we would come up with. I don't know. It was it was always related to performance somehow. It was cutting meat and performance. The, these were like the two obsessions.
1: Or a combination! Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and who did you um, persuade to be in your audience for your
2: performances? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't really have much choice to be honest. I was just uh, whoever whoever was around, mostly parents and neighbors and uh the little brothers and sisters of friends who were literally too little to escape the show.
1: (laughs) That's a a good tactic.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) So moving into um, kind of being a teenager, Mm. what were the kind of big musical and also just generally sonic influences on your teenage years?
2: Mm. Michael Jackson, obviously. I was a grunge girl. I mean, I was listening to all that stuff. I was obsessed with Nirvana. Um, what else? I, I, I feel like in my teenage years, you know, I, I, my music, my music, my relationship to music is quite strange. I think I, I started having um, a relationship to like digging and finding siblings uh much 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 later in life when I was mm-hmm. a teenager I was you know I didn't I didn't really have like any kind of like role model that was like my age or a little bit older like the cut to kind of like have an entry door really to like cool stuff I had my cousin and a way, that's kind of how I got into like grunge as well and mm-hmm. but um it was I was I was actually in musical school and I was I was listening to classical music through all my i wasn't i don't know i was never really fully like current or something mm. <laughs> i was i was just listening to classical music because that was what i was playing and that's kind of what i was obsessing with and that's the school i was going to so i was kind of like a digger in the classical world and like i i I and then the rest of it was kind of like radio music. I was in like um and the radio was well it depends on which radio, but I was I was listening to a lot of like yeah, sad white girl nineties music, a lot of like Alanis Morissette, a lot of you know, that kind of stuff, and then a lot of grunge. Um and yeah, I I I didn't I didn't feel like I don't know. I didn't feel connected in in music in the sense that I feel like sometimes when you're a teenager, it's also a a way for you to find relatable people that experience relatable stuff. I don't. I, that that was not really my experience. That came in my life much later. I feel like in the teenagers, it was quite an isolated time for me, and I was just being a uh, out of place and out of time for the most part
1: mm. were you in Paris as a teenager
2: I was in the suburbs yeah
1: okay and um I'm just curious to know if there's any particular sounds or like city sounds that stand out in your memory around that period um
2: no I can't really think of anything during teenagers but I I I, I um I lived in Iran with my mom at some point um, when I was a child and I, and it was during the war and I have memories of that. I have memories of, um, sirens and stuff. I don't have much, much, you know, memories that, that, con- that I carry away and that are anxious really. Cause I was, I was too little, but I definitely remember sounds and I feel like recently someone, kind of pointed out that my music that it, it, it that it was like kind of battlefield <laughs> music whether it's um, people preparing for the battlefield or people being on a battlefield <laughs> or people you know um, stepping out of a battlefield that, it, that that the music was good that my music was kind of um, remind reminded them of that or or took them there and I think maybe there's something there with like early memory sounds. It's not that's not it. That's not the only answer, but it's also mm. one thing, one piece of the puzzle for sure.
1: How did that observation about your music make you feel? Like, did you feel like that resonated?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> um, I, I don't promote war. But I definitely feel like battle the the battlefield is like a feeling um mm-hmm. that you can you know be a bit not not necessarily literal about um and uh, fighting or overcoming or gathering or gathering in numbers mm-hmm. against a power that you wanna defeat all that stuff is yeah it's it's um it it it's right <laughs> it's galvanizing yeah exactly mm-hmm. like the 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 idea of like the town crier is is really often in my mind you know mm-hmm. uh, whether it's like on an individual level with a friend that you know you could be the town crier for a friend but you could also be the town crier for you know bigger bigger scales and bigger mm-hmm. b- bigger groups but i i feel like that there is some there is like an intention in my music too to do that
1: well one of the reasons i wanted to know about um you know how you kind of memorize and store sound not just music but um kind of like the sound of the world Um was because many many years ago like five years ago um i used to have a radio show on a station in london called represent and um you actually came on the show mm. and you curated a little mixtape um mm. where you had to pick like songs under certain topics. Mm -hmm. And you shared with me this recording of insects humming. Mm, Yeah. And so I just wanted to know if you'd maybe be up for describing your relationship to sound and capturing sound and sort of detecting beauty or something to connect to in sonics.
2: Mm. Um, I just I feel like wherever I am making music, I'm also a guest of the space you know and I think that and I'm the guest of other species (laughs) that have been that we that are not necessarily visible or that we don't necessarily think of but that are around us and and have been around for usually much longer than we have so it's it's I think when I make music I just I just try to pay attention to the others and the fact that um, I think you know it's something that's easier to remember when we're in nature but it's all, it's a bit harder and it's harder to it's harder to to be humble in a city um, and it's harder to remember that we're guests and i think that my maybe the relationship with collecting the sounds um is also a moment of humility where you just pay attention in that moment also in in a moment where you're about to say something or create something or communicate something through music it's um a way to yeah just remind myself and maybe remind others of the scale of things mm-hmm. and where we where we sit as humans, so um, that's that's usually how I think about the sound ar- around me. It's just a moment where you pay attention, you pause, and you pay attention and you pay homage also in some way or respect um, to the the things around.
1: <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about how you make music. Mm. Um. What was your first experience of production software like? Oh,
2: hell, <laughs> hell on earth. Um, but you know, I, I, I thought I couldn't do it. You know, I, I, I thought I couldn't do it, and um, I had this idea, and and my well, I, I didn't, I didn't really. Grow up with examples, mm. um, so I think you know. Uh, <laughs> I think representation is not uh, the end goal, but I that's also where it, it, it. But it's also necessary for that reason. And I and I I was like many other you know many other women that I've met since since my first experience. I've had this constructed idea that um i wanted that the, i had i had clear ideas about composition sound and um i i knew what i wanted but and because of that and or the story that i was telling myself is that because i had this very clear idea and i wanted something that in my mind was quite complex i was like i'm i i if i start producing i'm going to be shit and it's gonna be, I'm gonna only be able to execute really simple stuff, and the simple stuff are not really enticing for me to want to sing on it, so Mm. I should just refer to people um, who have more experience, so that we can be at the level that I want to, that I imagine in my head, and so that was the story, you know, everyone has a story, but we all, a lot of, a lot of us have And less and less, but still, you know, stories about how, how it's not for us or how we can't do it. And, and, and the, the way that it happened was an accident, really. I had no intention. I wasn't, I I didn't, I didn't, I I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) I just went, I I went to uh, Guadeloupe with my, my best friend, Emily, and um, she, I had started singing in my basement and at the same time she had started um to make music on garage band, and I was just kind of going in circles i i it was like a very you know the beginning of me making music was a very lonely and isolated time where i had mm-hmm. I had made the decision i I knew I had to I owed that to myself to to commit. But I also didn't know where to start. I didn't. I didn't have. I was I didn't have any musician friends. I didn't. I didn't. I just. I had no idea how to start. Um, and it's a really. It's important to talk about this because I feel like. I don't know. I feel like when we rewrite our histories, we're just like, and this happened, and that happened. But it's like, no. But how did it actually happen? You know, how do you go from you know not doing it to doing it um and you know some people have known this for uh, from a really young age and have surrounded themselves and so it just flows naturally but also it's not always the case and it just really wasn't for for me um and basically my 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 girlfriend was like just seeing the despair and the solitude and she was like "I, i think that instead of you know sending stuff to people randomly on the internet, we should... I'm going to produce your... I'm going to produce songs for you and then you're going to be able to show the world what it is that you want to do, you know, and then you're going to... There's going to be a basis for the conversations you're trying to have. So this is... This was the premise of the trip was that she was going to produce and that I was going to sing. And... Okay. um Yeah, and then when we got there, we just... Yeah, it just... it was It was... It was on Pro Tools. (laughs) It was like a really old version of Pro Tools because we were staying with this uh, um, older Zook producer who had a studio. Literally, I don't think he had stepped foot in that studio since the 80s because he was obsessed with making techno on his iPad. And the the, the studio was like dusty as fuck. And I don't remember which (laughs) version of Pro Tools it was, but it was like very, you know, and also no one really makes produces on Pro Tools. Pro-, Pro Tools is amazing for tracking and mixing and mm. it's a, it's not a very intuitive um, way of making music. So we, you know, we I think sh- we were kind of expecting some kind of help or support from him or technical support at least to, to like get us or at least get my friend over the hump. And when we got there, it, it just became really just became clear quickly that the way that he was thinking about music was so different than what it was that we wanted to make that we couldn't that we would we would just get into fights with him about like structure (laughs) and like he was like where is your fucking baseline we're like we don't we don't want to start with a baseline or we don't actually we might not want to you know we were just we were just much more free i think in a way and he had his ways of making music and so we would just get into into it with him and so at some point we just like threw him out locked the door um i mean bless him he was he was you know he he i mean he he let us stay in his house he let us use his studio there was nothing like bad about it but it was just it just was incompatible in like the the c- creativity part and we just we just locked ourselves down and then we just started figuring out pro tools and um, and I and we would take turns because she was going crazy so we ju- I just I just got my hands dirty kind of by by having no other choice and you know I I I always say that the psychological hump is so much bigger than the technical one um, mm. and um, I know yeah just i I know how the psychological i i know the stories we can tell ourselves on and to why we can't do it or why it's whatever but um the truth of the matter is that it's um it's not that deep and the <laughs> and the the hurdle is the hurdle is 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 fine it's just like a bad month, you know what I mean but um mm. Uh, or a difficult month or up uh, because obviously you have you kind of you have this you have this gap and I think that's also where the frustration is you have this gap between the things that you the imagine and the end and the pace that you can execute them and the, so that's kind of like that's that's the hurdle at the beginning but it's um I think it's yeah, I think it's more intimidating than what it actually is. So. Mm.
1: What are some of the ways you'd say you've evolved the music production side of your practice um since then? Like what's your process these days for getting down a sketch of an idea?
2: Um well, it depends because I I I you know, I have different many hats at the moment and i'm i've always i've always wanted that and it's happening i'm really grateful i i have you know my new record is coming out in september but i'm also like working on like remixes for other artists i'm producing for other artists i'm doing like executive produce producing for other artists so i'm scoring films like it's it's um there's a huge range of practices um and so I can't really answer that question because it, it really depends on what the project is. And so that p- the process would, would differ a lot depending on what the thing is that I'm working on. For the record, mm-hmm. you know, for the record, I completely went off the grid. I wanted to do something um, 360 degree different in the process from the last record. So it, you know, the last record was Really detailed and and composed to to the bone, like um, and controlled. I would say to the bone, Um, and I wanted to free the process completely from the grid, from the computer, from control. So, like the new record started, you know, in the room with musicians, and it was kind of like another process where after after we had. You know made the music then I went and produced the record and turned them into um songs and you know kind of tried to arrange them but but I also had much less uh room to do so because it was all live and that's kind of what I wanted that's a very different process than how I would score a film or so it de- it it really depends and that's that's kind of i don't I don't want to have a process I don't want to have a way that i do things i i I find that um i don't like comfort (laughs) i don't like habits and i don't like comfort so i i i I need to shake it up and that's also why it's so cool to be able to have so many different practices so that Mm. you can keep evolving and pushing
1: how much of a role does visualizing your music play in your practice overall? Like, do you see the visual accompaniment to a track as an extension that like adds to the music or is it another facet of the work?
2: Um, I, I mostly see them hand hand, hand to hand, hand on hand, hand yeah, with hand, hand. hand. Okay, hand in hand um yeah i i it's not there i don't there's no there's no particular order sometimes the vision sometimes the world is there before the sound um sometimes the world is the extension of the sound it, it 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 depends but it, you know i i've always said that i don't i i don't describe myself necessarily as um Oh, it's not true. I, I just, I don't define myself by being a musician. I define the pra- my practice as being a communicator um, and maybe a town crier. And so it takes the shape of music, but you know, I, I'm also starting to work on uh, a couple of... Well, I, I mean, I have been directing, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to to work on a couple of projects that are like longer, um like short films and um like longer longer formats um and i I've always known that I will be also a director and that that the communication will also happen through film and through food and through many many things so it, it there's no um it's kind of like a practice as a whole of someone who's trying to find all the other orphans of the world but and that and that communication can come through many things I don't I don't really see the visual thing as like just an extension of the music it's it's like um part of the same practice I would say
1: yeah was there a particular visual or just a piece of film or something that you saw that um made you feel like directing would be a part of what you eventually end up um creating
2: i mean many you are you asking me what my favorite film is or because i I mean it's (laughs) i i yeah i mean I, i i i i i'm i watch more movies than i listen to music i don't listen i don't listen to music really too much i make it um and i i might be the musician Who's listened to the least music that I know <laughs> of? Wow! Um, and you know, in some ways, it's—I don't know—it's good and bad. Also, it doesn't it does doesn't matter to be qualified like that? But I th- I think I think sometimes it makes it more uh, difficult, and sometimes it's also a very free. P- it, I'm also more free than other mm. people who know a lot and. Um, but it just is what it is that's been the trajectory. The reason why I've been able to be unapologetic about my how I make it or what I make or how it sounds is, is also because um, I haven't listened to a lot of music in my life. I don't listen to music every day, for example, mm. at all. I listen to music when something's brought to my attention and i spend you know obsess, spend an obsessive amount of time on like one song that i discover you know but i do it almost as a, it affects me a lot it's 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 hard for me to listen to music casually <laughs> like it's not like easy listening or like i don't have spotify you know it's not like on when i'm like cooking and i love silence and then when mm. i do listen to something it's a intention yeah i'm present I'm present. I'm taking notes. I'm thinking about it. I'm uh, inspired by it. So it's you know and yeah. And so because of that, I'm I'm very wary about what comes in my ears. I don't. Mm. It's not. Um. I don't have an everyday relationship to it at all. No. Yeah.
1: What do you love about silence?
2: Um. Just. (laughs) I think that. Um. Music could be a distraction. It's not, I don't know what I love about silence. It's just that music could be a distraction and I don't like to use music as a distraction. Mm. Um, I like to be with it. And I think that what I... I, I don't know. I don't know if I love silence particularly. I just, I'm just i not afraid of it, I would say. I think a lot of people are scared of it because, of the, because then you're really on your own and by yourself and then you think. And <laughs> I think that a lot of... You know, music or relationships with music is also made to suppress that and I, that's not just, that's just not my relationship with music, I guess.
1: I'd like to hear more about your new LP kind of in depth. So it's called The Fifth Season, named after sci-fi books. Mm-hmm. What was it about that series of books that really spoke to you?
2: Um, I'm obsessed with world building. I'm obsessed with world building in... Every, you know, in movies, in... Um, in books, um, and I think that she's just doing such an insane. I've I've rarely seen that. But I think that the, the the relationship with the book is not that I've read the book. I mean that happened to me before, but that's just not what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, the order of events is that I was reading this book while I was making this record and um somehow i guess i didn't realize until after i finished the record about how they got intertwined and it mm. was brought it was brought to my attention with uh you at the end um that it was literally this a song about um one of the characters in the book and i i feel like it's 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 not a literal relationship here it's not like i Mm -hmm. I, it's not like i read it and i was like oh i really love the book i want to make a record on uh, about the book it was they were just happening at the same time and they infiltrated each other in ways that i thought were quite magical and um i also feel like I, I, I titles are really fucking hard. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like you either have a title for a record before you start it, but if you don't, to find you know, it's the same, yeah, name or an album cover, it's like you have to find this like quintessential thing that just in you know invites people, but but is also like kind of saying it all, or like it, it's it's I, I find it quite contrived most of the time, it's, it's not an easy process um and I thought that the fifth season was such a beautiful entry door it was like a door and it's also kind of like augmented reality because it's like it's not a crazy name you know it's uh, so it's not a crazy name about like another planet it's like there are four seasons so when you say the fifth season it's just slightly outside of reality and a lot of people don't necessarily like get it right away actually and I I love that you know it's like it it creeps in you it's like but then and and and, and it also calls to all your senses it's like what's the temperature during the fifth season what what do we eat during the fifth season what's the light is there more light is there less light um how do we dress how do we you know like what do we do It, it it just opens um I just find it I just find it inviting um, in the imaginary I just I, I think it's like a beautiful entry door as a, as a title and then you know I've, I've been you know interested in geology for um, a long time and I, I it's like a it's like a whole story about um, yeah the earth um, stones uh lava like it's all it's kind of all in the world of my sounds like it it was it was like a perfect um i don't know it just felt like this whole record fell into place in ways that I'm 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 i have said you know it the, the thing that's really strange and i don't want to push that t- too much but i also need to talk about it is that i finished the record in december um and the fifth season is coronavirus literally i mean in the book mm-hmm. it's like this season that happens that people have to figure out how to survive on like a world scale um and i've said since the beginning of the record like you know when i started working on it um and when i finished it i've said i have not chose to make this record it just came through me and it's a very different process than ancestor boy which was all about like you know like in the content of course but also um just like the way that i pushed that record onto the world it was just my will my story my words my it was me it was all about Mm -hmm. me and uh and this record was i literally just felt like uh funnel to something that just it just chose me it had, it had to go through me i just uh let it happen and i really felt that and and then after it was done and during the <laughs> during the process it's it's all these things that just fell into places and pieces it's i, I don't i don't know why it was you know this book came out like five years ago I don't know why I was reading it now I don't know why there's it just fell into place in ways that I find this whole record quite prominent like um it it and it announced something that is happening in the world right now and um Mm. and I've I've said that it wasn't me and I say it again even more now you know it's like I haven't You know, it's like I just released a song called Don't Despair two weeks ago. You know, it has a whole special meaning and it was done, you know, in October. (laughs) Um, The timing, the timing of this record is. It's just right on time and it's not and I take no credit for that. It just um, I just the only credit I can take is that I said yes for it Mm. to come through me. That's it.
1: You mentioned Don't Despair, um which is a cover of a Beverly Glenn Copeland track. Yes. What does his music mean to you?
2: Um his music yeah, I discovered his music not too long time ago, maybe two years ago. And I I've been thinking since the last record, I've been thinking about joy in music. Mm. And I find that it's a really hard emotion to find in ways that it that are not corny. <laughs> we can also define corny, but like in ways that I find profound and contagious and um, complex. Also, um, and I feel like Glenn's music is kind of like it. Just it it. it it occupies a very specific um, place in the maps of emotions or something. And it's, it, um, it's enchanted. It's enchanted music. And I find it really hard to find that in ways that are genuine and not like swallowing Xanax, you know, to mm. be like happy. Like it's not, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's enchanted And um, I felt like really, I felt like less alone when I discovered his music. I felt like I, I, even if, you know, in the genre or whatever, like it doesn't, we don't sound the same in a literal way. I feel very connected to him and I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, a direct um, link. What moved you to
1: um, make a cover and to include it on this LP?
2: Well, I, I, yeah, covers are really weird. I feel like it's, it's what, it's the same thing. You don't, I don't, I've never chose a cover, to be honest. I feel like they come my way and it's just an, like I've never covered a, well, I know it's not true. I did the Ace of Base one, but yeah, I did the cover of Ace of Base years ago. That was kind of like a, Childhood, uh, not. But apart that one, I feel like um, I don't know. I covered Scott Walker. I I feel like covers are they just come? There's just this song that comes your way, and it probably I don't know. It's it's the time for it to come back through you. Cause have I've mm-hmm. never ne- I've apart that one. I've never covered songs where I was like I'm I'm so obsessed with this song, and I've always wanted to cover. It's like no. Like they're always like new songs that I've never heard before that I didn't grow up with. And I hear them and it's just immediate and obvious because I could have, I just feel like it's, it's, it's very special when you feel like you could have written something or you could have said those things or you could have said it like that or it's a melody that is in your repertoire. I, f- I feel like that's a very unique um, emotion when it intersects like that. And when I heard Don't Despair, I, it was like, I knew I had to sing the melody and if you know the original like mine is like much more it's much slower uh it's I would say the brightness and the enchantment is is a bit buried under the doom like it's it's definitely there it's just I feel Mm -hmm. like in 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 Glenn's um version it's kind of like up front um and I knew how to make it mine like right away after like two takes, you know. Um so I don't I don't feel like I've decided much. It just it the song came my way and it was like oh, obviously um this it's my I it, mm. I could make it mine. And I actually um played it live for like almost 2 years. It was like my opener to a lot of my sets before the record. And then when the rec- the project of the record came along, it just became obvious that I had needed a recorded version of it
1: let's hear a bit more about the musicians that you worked with yes um so we've got the song that you mentioned a little while ago you at the end and mm-hmm. um, we're hearing like tuba
0: mm-hmm.
1: some percussion in there mm-hmm.
2: keyboard what else uh it's tuba, trombone it's like I, ca- I called the record chamber pop music um, okay. It's like tuba, trombone, percussions and keyboard. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a really, yeah, it's, it's amazing to, you know, after, after making music from like an infinite amount of choice, you know, um, because you have, I don't know, unlimited supplies of <laughs> plugins and stuff. Um I think that having a such a reduced, I mean, I I think that the palette in ancestor boy was also reduced, but I it was a different process because I had to reduce it from like the thousands and bazillions choices that you have when you make electronic music. Mm. Um, but this was just the reduction was like de facto, and I and 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 it was just like a set palette, right away, um, and I I really love that it goes with the world building. It just pulls you in right away. I think.
1: Interesting that you mentioned like reduction because mm. the um the the music that mm. accompanies your voice still mm-hmm. puts your voice in this kind of like vast like big space. Mm-hmm. Um how did you know that you know that combination of instruments would um equate to that setting?
2: Mm. mm well we we had a session at the BBC the four of us, Valentina, Theon, and Nathaniel. It was like this radio show that the BBC does where they put two artists who've never played together um, together for a day and then they let them improvise and then they choose 20 minutes of that improv to play it on the radio. And for that session, they invited two people that knew each other with two people who didn't and Valentina invited me to be her uh, date for the day with the Nathaniel and Theon who are brothers. And, I've, and we were kind of all, I don't know, something happened during that session where we are like, oh, it, this doesn't sound like anything. And we're very excited about what that possibility is. Um, so we kind of had a trial session that made us all very curious to carry on. Um, and that's it. I just insisted that we meet again in, like, a bigger capacity, like, more days and do a lock-in, and I, I didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't know, no, but we had an intuition that it was something, um, and I think what, what's really amazing with, I don't know, making music in this way is that even if you have, even if it, it's, like, less eventful in a way, maybe, than when you have, like, uh, more structures, and then you have, like, your, you know, the, 808 kicks in and then you have like it i don't know how to say it it's it, it's like a different kind of temporality when you when you're improvising like it's like mm. you have times where like almost nothing is happening but everything is living all the time it's moving all the time it's transforming all the time in ways that are it's kind of the same thing than being aware of like a different species around you it's like well if you start looking and listening you pay attention to like the little ants uh or in the corner of your living room or like the whatever doing their thing and i feel like that record is is like the other species that are just like living right you know behind your ears and they just and they keep um stretching and evolving but it's like a maybe less spectacular ways that i'm used to which is i was really interested in that
1: Mm. and then the lyrics for that track Mm. um tell me a bit more about the kate tempest poem and mm. specifically what captured your imagination in that poem
2: i mean it was it was like the rest of the record it just it just it just came my way i was i was on tour with her um and i was at the merch table one night looking at her show and just flipping through her books and um and then my and then i just my i just had yeah i just my eyes stopped during that one and i read it and i and i just felt like i could have written that you know it just Mm -hmm. sounded like or i wish i had or i could you know i I just felt like um that it had to that it could have been yeah that it had to come through me i don't know how how else to say it but um i i yeah i closed the book and then i kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it and then I. wrote to to them and I was like hey I can't stop thinking about your poem what do you think can I try and I don't know can I try (laughs) and uh, they were really great graceful about it and uh, they said that they would be honored and they just let me do my stuff with it I I you know I, I I had to rearrange it there there are there are some things in the original poem that i i that i felt like were not me or that i couldn't that couldn't come through me that i had to put on the side and i just kind of Mm -hmm. rebuilt my own story within their story um and yeah it's really it's really bizarre because it's it's (laughs) because uh they never they never read the fifth season right Mm -hmm. and um you know, N.K. Jemison, I don't know if they know about um, Kate um, K.'s work. So so it, there is, there is no, no connection, no direct connection there. But then um, after I finished the song and like th- with the sentences that I chose and the things that I'm choosing to repeat and stuff, and I, I played it to my partner and they were like, but do you understand that this is literally about, you know, this is the song about this character in the book. Like, mm-hmm. this is, this is, this is them. This is the song about them. And I was like, whoa, it all, but you know, this, so the the whole record, it, it just kept, there was, and it was all happening at the same time. It's like the, the, the reading the book, like, uh, listening to, um, uh, the Lily Boulanger track, uh, meeting lala it's a, it, it all came together in such a effortless way that it, it, that is the reason why I'm like it's. It had it just chose me, and mm. and I'm I'm really honored. That I could, I could. Let's
1: hear more about working with Lala. Yeah, um, is that the is that's the last track on the record? That's um, right. Did you write in French for the first time?
2: Yeah, I did. What was that like
1: as an experience? Weird.
2: It's weird. Mm-hmm. I never, I never thought I, I. Well, not never, but I've, I've never done it. I find um, um, writing in French is really fun. Actually, French is really playful. Um, I don't know. I feel like the playground is much bigger than in English. English mm. is very direct, and we also love that for that reason. But um, I feel like there's much more like ways of saying something and images, and it's, it's more of a playground. Um, but you also have to find your, your way of using a language when you haven't. It's just, it's not enough to be like, I speak French or I was born in France, you know? It's like, it's the, inside of that, you also have to find your own. I don't know signature or your own way of putting stuff in music also french is not a really musical language as i'm sure you know um so singing i mean talking in french is fine that's why you know french rap is like one of the best i, I think it's like the best rap in the world for that reason mm-hmm. it sounds amazing and the um combination with the, with the playground and the way that the french language sounds is brilliant but if you think about it you there there hasn't been so much like melodic Uh, melodic I don't know contributions from French music and that's why it's it's because the language is is not really calling for that so it was quite intimidating to to do it but it same it came um during a session during one of the sessions we were having improvising and um the sentence that I'm keep saying in the in the song which um it just came I was singing it, and that also never happened to me, I never, I never, when I improvise melodies, I don't really have words coming, it's, it's things that happen in two separate times for me, and for this one, it just, that line, and the melody, and the words, it all came together, and I kept repeating that, and then, yeah, and then I was like, I thought it had to be, um, it took me a minute, but then I was like, no, this is a duet, it's like, I'm not I'm not saying that alone I'm saying that to someone and they're going to answer to me. It's like it's about a the end of a friendship between two girls.
1: Um my last question mm. is how do you see this record accompanying or soundtracking your listeners' lives in 2020 and the years to come? Like mm. what kind of settings do you imagine your listeners taking mm. this music in if you um mm. if you even imagine that at all?
2: Mm. Mm, I, I honestly, I've, I've s- said it before all of this, and so I can say it again. I feel like it's the record of the day after the end of the world. Um, mm. And I've said that when I finished it back in December. Um, and I very much think that we are experiencing the end of something as we knew it um and so i just i feel like it's gonna be a good companion for because it's it it has a softness to it it's soft it's definitely the softest i've ever been um it's um there's bright there's brightness in it there's light there's also the part of going through shit (laughs) and um mm, coming on the other side um and so I I imagine it as a caress. I think I think as a caress that can be invigorating or that can be also encouraging for you know the day after the day after <laughs> the end of mm-hmm. the world. Um so I think yeah when I was imagining ancestor boy i was i would always say that i think that it's a record that people would listen to when they're in in movement like kind of like going from point a to point b whether it's literally or figuratively i, I feel like it's mm. like a, it's it takes you where you want to be in life but it's like related to movement like if you have to if you're going to like a meeting to like get a raise from your boss or something like you know when you're like want to go get something um and when you're in walking or in the car like it was related to movement this one i i i I, I don't think so i think that this one is uh when you when you it's um it's the it's the first and the last thing i think that that you would want to listen to in a day